Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast for anyone who's ever felt the nagging frustration of wondering if her life is too small, too boring, or too ordinary to make a difference. We're here to explore the surprising ways that cultivating ordinary life leads to extraordinary stories. I'm Lisa Joe, tea drinker, lawyer in another life, and South African by birth, if you're wondering about the accent. I have three very loud kids, a husband who's never run through an airport to stop me getting on a flight, and I write about how to love your middle, the years and the muffin top both. And I'm Christy. Once upon a time, I got my PhD in English Lit, planning on a particular kind of life. But a few years later, I traded the classroom for a picket-fenced garden and an old farmhouse. Today, I write books, books about the beauty of the ground beneath my feet. I also grow zucchini my four kids refuse to eat. As always, we are recording out in Pennsylvania at Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst. That's currently covered in scaffolding because of all the places it's falling apart. (laughs) Don't forget the holes in the porch. I know, and the smell of mushroom farms and manure. Right, because when we say out of the ordinary, we mean it. Our friendship, this farmhouse, and all our conversations grew out of small, ordinary, everyday moments. Because really, the truth is that everything big starts small. Get comfy. Here we go. Okay, so you don't know this. I don't think that you know this. But every time I get ready to come and visit you at Maplehurst, my mouth starts to water a little bit because I'm so excited about what you're going to cook for me. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't know if you know this. I don't. But, you know, I, my mom is just... She was a terrible cook. She was so bad. And so I didn't grow up with a kitchen being a place where there's just always delicious things Mm. happening. And when I arrived this afternoon, even though it's little things, like you had toasted pumpkin seeds Mm. and tiny ripe, were they cherry tomatoes? Right, from the garden, yeah. From the garden Uh and tea. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my favorite things about coming to visit you because there's always going to be something delicious. And I've discovered really in my adult years what it means to be filled up. Hmm. both with food, but then with friendship. Mm-hmm. And this is a place where I come and I know both those things are going to be filled in mm-hmm. me. And I think what's funny, of course, but not so funny, also sad, is when you cross a certain age, you have to be more careful <laughs> with paying true. attention <laughs> to how much you eat and how filled up you get. That's true. Because I have been known, of course, to overindulge when it comes to particularly things like French bread and brie cheese and coffees and really candy corn. Let's be honest here. My tastes aren't always super sophisticated. (laughs) I always say when you're that full, it feels like a hug from the inside. (laughs) From the inside. I like that. I'm so full. I'm hugging you back, which isn't always healthy. But it really has got me thinking a lot about my life in this middle season of life where I am paying more attention, trying to be careful about what I fill up on. Hmm. Because in my work and For those of you who are just getting to know us, I've always been a full-time working mom and my life has really been governed by goals. You know, what are the, you know, the signs of the stepping stones of success accomplished on this project? Mm -hmm. Um, Where can we check off the to-do list? You know, 
now, okay, great. We accomplished this goal. What's the next one? How can we keep pushing up those measures of success? We need to keep pushing in deeper and deeper, more and more and more. And when I look around the culture, I hear that same thing echoed back to us, right? Mm -hmm. More is better. More is always better. Like you can just, you know, we were at my son's soccer game this weekend and we were trying to buy a little ice creams for the teams afterwards and they're really expensive. And so the moms, we were like, well, why would we stay here? Let's go to McDonald's because you can get two for one, you know? Uh, Like there's this idea constantly that more is better. Sometimes it is. Let's just Mm -hmm. face it when you're feeding all the kids on a soccer team. Mm -hmm. But I started really asking myself, what does it look like to actually have reached enough? Yeah. And I don't just mean, you know, good enough as in, you know, the bare minimum or the basics, but I mean full, satisfied, complete. What is that kind of enough? Mm. Not just in food, but really in my life, in my professional life, especially, what does enough look like? Is there such a thing? Is there such a thing? That's a good question. Are we always just going to be pushing forward more and more, whatever that finish line is, it just keeps slipping further and further ahead of us and you never actually cross it because it's never enough. Mm. And as I've gotten older, I think I have started to become frustrated with that finish line and how elusive it is and how I can never seem to get there and how it's never enough. And whatever I'm creating, building, writing, marketing, there's always one more thing you could have done. Hmm. Could have been bigger, Mm -hmm. could have been better, could have been more successful. I mean, I know, just open Instagram. (laughs) There are a hundred other people doing it better than you are. And it's challenged me to think, what does enough look like? Mm -hmm. Do I need to pay attention here in my life and challenge myself with that question? And that's a question children don't ask. I'm thinking about my own kids. I don't think I've ever offered them a dessert or a treat when they haven't finished it, taken the last bite and said, can I have another one? Ooh, it's like we're programmed. Every single time, right? We almost seem to be hardwired to hunger for more. More for, more, for more, whether it's French fries and ice cream, I know, <laughs> or or these more substantial, you know, life experiences and accomplishments. And it's very hard to deprogram yourself from mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. because everything, the entire system around us, is pushing us to do more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know if it's inherently a bad thing, right? Because it it's also a kind of appreciation of excellence, right. right? Right. So we appreciate really beautiful or really good, really true, really high quality things, experiences, accomplishments. We see that glimmer of something like right. perfection or better them. than yeah, yeah, and that's good. Those are good things, right? But they can have a repercussion on my life where if I live in a constant state of dissatisfaction, it undermines my ability to enjoy what I've been called to do. And I think that is what I have started to sense more and more in my life. Okay. So I think I have a story, but do you have a story? I'd I want mean, to hear naturally, your story. obviously, we both have Excellent. stories here. <laughs> okay. Can I hear your story? Yeah. I mean... The reason I wanted to have this conversation today and actually unpack the idea of enough is that the reason I even stumbled onto thinking, oh my gosh, enough is something so good and I need to embrace it is because of this podcast. Okay. When you and I started talking about doing this, there was no marketing initiative. There was no poll. There was no plan. No. (laughs) At all. (laughs) 
we did it for the joy, yeah, for the love of doing it. And the first four episodes, which are almost strange to me now that they've gone out into the world and other people have heard them, initially when we recorded them were just for ourselves, mm -hmm. were mm -hmm. for our pleasure. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time in years in my adult life that I did something where the joy of doing it, just having done it, the satisfaction of having accomplished something we we set out to do was enough. Hmm. I didn't even need someone to listen to it. Right. Because there was no feedback at no, that point, right? None. Yeah. And I was so surprised to discover I didn't need it. Mm. I, I was so satisfied by the experience of sitting here, the third floor in your mm. house. This is the third or the fourth. Help me with the math. Well, I don't know. Do we count the basement? I don't think we do because it has a dirt floor. So let's count yeah. it as the third. <laughs> so sitting in this tiny little attic room, talking to you, mm. and every time we don't know what we're doing with this equipment, every time we learn it all over again, I don't know what's wrong with us. <laughs> we're old. But the, this experience and these conversations have been enough for me. Mm. What I've learned and the joy I've experienced through them has been so satisfying. It's almost like asking for a second helping to have mm. reviews and have other people comment mm. on it. And it was so surprising to me to say, oh, this is what enough feels like in my professional life. Like I'm learning as I get older, I'm training myself to listen to my body and know what enough feels like in terms of food. Mm. I don't actually need that third helping of whatever. Mm. I probably don't need the second. And sometimes the first, you know, when it comes to candy corn isn't good for me either. <laughs> Maybe no candy corn. No, is that terrible? But so yeah. I'm learning, you know, physically what enough has to look like, mm. especially in my 40s. But it was the first time in my professional life that I've experienced enough in such a satisfying way to be able to say, oh, I, I want to look for that. Yeah. I want to find ways to do meaningful work and then acknowledge that this is now enough mm -hmm. and not fall prey to the constant pressure and the demand. No, no, it's never enough. You need yeah. to push for more. I'm realizing that you were able to notice that and experience it and appreciate the enoughness of it because there was some waiting. So we mm. we weren't um, at that point just putting these conversations out there right away. Um, we still hadn't launched the podcast. And so there was a little bit of space, am I right? right. For you to realize right. that even, so. even before you'd shared the work, the work itself was The work itself enough. was enough and was meaningful. And so I want to be very careful not to be, I don't want to be raiding on anyone's dream or parade here who are working toward more, mm -hmm. because of course, that in and of itself is not bad. Please hear us say that, okay? There is that sense of like wanting to accomplish the next step. If we think about more as the next step, then mm -hmm. this podcast has been a more for us. Mm -hmm. It's been a next step into something new. But at the same time, it's been a discovery. I feel like, I really do. I feel like this pilgrim who's made some incredible discovery in this new land and is standing there taking in the view and just telling herself, oh, wow, this right here, this moment is so satisfying. I don't need to rush on to the next one. I don't need to promote it in a whole new way. I can just enjoy it. Yeah. And that in a professional setting has been a very new experience for me. Hmm. And I don't know that we always have that luxury. I mean, we have, and I've, right. I've yeah. worked in offices, you know, I know what bosses and timelines and goal setting, mm -hmm. I know what all of those things look like. But as you and I try to do is take time with our readers and say, but look around your life because you might be surprised to stumble into things that are seemingly ordinary, but that are actually extra 
right? That's what extraordinary means. They are extra to the ordinary. And that's how this has felt for me. These conversations in their sense of enough have been so extra to what I was expecting. Mm. Friends, one of my very favorite additions to my bookshelves this fall has to be the brand new CSB Encourage Devotional Bible. One of my favorite things is how they underline the fact that real life is messy, but the Encourage Devotional Bible helps you find God in the midst of the mess. This is 122 women who have all contributed devotions as part of this brand new beautiful Bible. All of these women sharing stories of how God's story has changed their lives because of His grace, they have found beauty in the brokenness and hope in the hard. With each devotion, they sing the praise of the one who has authored their story. There is nothing like being able to open scripture and see the words of your sisters sharing what those scriptures have meant in their own lives. And here's the best part. All of October at dayspring.com, you can get the Encouraged Devotional Bible for 20% off plus a genuine, free, beautiful leather journal. We'll drop the link in the show notes. Make sure you check it out and get yourself a copy. Now, one of the best parts about getting to partner with friends as we put together resources for the show is it gives us an opportunity to highlight up-and-coming writers and voices. Lisa Joe, I want to tell you about one of my favorite writers, Shelley Miller. Her book is called Rhythms of Rest. And also for this month, October, uh, retailers everywhere, you can find it online, have marked down the ebook to only 99 cents. So it's really easy for everyone to get their own copy. Um, if busy has become your recurring answer when people ask, How are you? Maybe it's time to pause and make rest realistic instead of miraculous. And Shelley can help you do that. You said something just now. You said, look around and take in the view. You've had time to sort of take in the view. Mm. And um, I'm remembering something that happened uh, soon after we moved to Maplehurst, our well broke or something happened. <laughs> and well, what I mean is I turned the I turned the faucet and no water came out. Oh, no. <laughs> and so we had a, a well repairman come and he was an older man. And I, I actually write this, this story is a story I tell in Roots and Sky, my first book. So this well repairman came and he's standing at the kitchen sink, checking his work, turning the faucet, um, verifying that, yes, indeed, there is no water coming out of this faucet. <laughs> and he looks out of my window um, and he says, it's such a shame. And I just listen. Words you never want to hear no. someone say in your house. It's such a shame. He was talking about all the houses that he could see from my window. Because the truth is, when we came here, we had a dream of a farmhouse. And of course, I think, as anyone else might dream, the dream of a farmhouse is a dream of... Um, a view, a spread, you know, a, a view spread out across green hills, maybe some horses right. or rolling hills, cattle. which is probably, <laughs> I think, how most how most listeners imagine Maplehurst. Probably so, right? like, because right. the pictures we share of it often are really only focused on your space. But what right. they don't realize is it's a sliver. It's mm -hmm. a it's a sliver of a farm mm -hmm. dropped down in the middle of suburbia. Right. So what do I actually see from my kitchen window? I see 
houses planted where corn <laughs> was planted long <laughs> ago. So the farm itself was sold off many years ago to a developer and uh, a builder. And so now there's a neighborhood of fairly new homes um, around this old farmhouse. And that's what this older man could see from the window. And to him, it looked like a shame. Mm. And I understand where he was coming from, that he wanted that view of empty hills and just rolling green farmland to the horizon. And and I came with that desire too. That mm. that sounds so beautiful to me. But what I have instead are neighbors. Mm. <laughs> My kids are outside right now, I think playing right. with some of those neighbors community, friendships, good schools in our area where all the, you know, neighborhood kids go to school together. And so what I have been given is very, very good. And if I'm honest with myself, if I had acres of farmland, that's beyond me. I wouldn't know how to take care of that. <laughs> Wait, it's even beyond you. <laughs> it is. I do not have the capacity to be a real farmer caring for, uh, you know, a real farm and real acreage. And so the enough that I have is more than enough. Right. Right. Because I think we forget that our humanness has limitations. Yeah. We, can, we only have the capacity to take on yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and you are in a season of experiencing burnout or exhaustion or even, I don't know if you experience this, Christy, but I will start to feel resentful toward inanimate things like Instagram <laughs> or my email. <laughs> and then I'm angry at them for messaging me. And really, all I have to do is switch it off, right? right. I mean, it's within my capacity to do that. So so we are the boss of our email? Isn't that weird? No. <laughs> I can say it's enough for today. It's uh, enough. I know if at 10 p.m. I'm like scrolling through Instagram, which I love, and becoming annoyed at all my messages and mm-hmm. experiencing like low-grade rage, that the problem is me, <laughs> not Instagram, because I've reached my enough for the day. Uh-huh. I have reached my threshold. Uh-huh. And as I get older, and I think part of it is to do with being older, I'm tireder and my capacity becomes smaller for what I can say yes to and for what I can take on. And I have kids with very demanding schedules. And so if I want to be enough for both them, plus the work that I've been asked to do, I have to be a much more deliberate steward of my resources and my energy. And mm-hmm. I know you are often someone who's really good at understanding her own capacity yeah. for what enough looks like just yeah. on a daily level. I've learned the hard way. <laughs> I was remembering recently a time um, in college when I was really overwhelmed. So, of course, I was a younger woman then. Right. I was under a lot of stress and I just broke out in hives one day. Hmm. Literally, my body exploded in Did it really? Yeah, from head to toe. And uh, thankfully, I realized pretty quickly what had caused it and where it was coming from because I knew I was under a lot of pressure. So um, even our physical bodies can only take so much and I'd reached my limit. Yeah, I like how the concept of enough can be both in terms of setting a boundary mm-hmm. for yourself, mm-hmm. as well as realizing a blessing. Like that sense of oh. like this enough is so full in me. Yeah. Because it can be a fullness that's too much. And so you have to set a boundary, whether you're limiting, uh-huh. you know, your fourth helping of Thanksgiving food <laughs> or your schedule in your family, right? right? You need a boundary. 
Or it can be the experience I had after our first podcast together, or you've had here at Maplehurst, that what you have been given is so satisfying yeah. that it feels like enough. And good in ways that I, I didn't anticipate right. or even dream of. I didn't dream of neighbors, right. but neighbors have been a good, good gift. Yeah, that's true. So it's not just a boundary, but it's a blessing. Right. It's okay. satisfying and at, at a very deep cellular level, because a part of what I am constantly trying to retrain my brain now is that that the ordinary moments in our lives actually are definitive. Our lives are made up of ordinary moments. Our lives are not made up of grandstand moments. Mm. And so these are going to be the stories that line our empty nests one day. Mm. These will be the stories we tell. And so the enoughness in them is so satisfying. Mm. And if I can only remind myself while passing through each story, mm-hmm. This was enough. This was good. This was satisfying. This filled me up. If I could actually do that while it's happening, how much more content I would be in that moment. And I think this can apply at work situations. If you're working in a nine to five job or if you're a homeschooling mom, whatever that looks like for you, I do think we have the capacity to look at what we're doing and say, oh, this was, I accomplished that. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of accomplishment and there has to be a sense of pause then so that the enoughness of that moment can resonate with you. Mm. And I think in our office spaces, in our learning circles, in our communities of friends, in our churches, we get to be a voice that tells that story, who gets to remind the team, wait, wait, let's take a moment. Let's look, let's relish, let's cherish what we've accomplished together. Let's have a moment of enough. Yeah. I was realizing as you were sharing as well that there may be different seasons for enough in our lives. So we may have hungry seasons (laughs) and then we might have satisfied seasons. So I was thinking like a really hungry season in my life, I guess would be my 20s and 30s when I wanted to have children. Mm. And I had some health problems at the time. And so it wasn't easy for me to get pregnant, Um, struggled with infertility and I was hungry, but that hunger was a good thing. Right. It was hard. It was so, so hard, but it was a good thing because, because I was hungry, I learned more about my health. I made some changes in my diet, you know, good, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I grew in ways that I needed to grow. I pressed into prayer and talking to God about my deepest desires. So that hunger was good. Um But now I'm in a season, at least when it comes to family, of enough. I've been given good gifts uh, for children, and it's enough. And Mm. I could go on wanting babies forever, but that's that's not the season I'm in. (laughs) You know, yes and no. (laughs) I don't go on wanting sleepless nights, but I am the kind of person who's already thinking about grandchildren. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, we are not the same. And let's just make it clear: my oldest is hopefully nowhere near that. She's only fifteen. But I do. I, I. I um. I love babies. I love children. So that was a hungry season. Right. But when I think about where I am now um, as a writer, um, I love creating. I'll have a book coming out in a couple months. It's a wonderful experience to be able to share that with readers. But do I want to sell a gajillion copies and be a New York Times bestseller and be on all the TV talk shows? Well, sure. I want to get my book into I mean, as yes, many hands be, as there's possible. There's part of all of us that wishes that would happen, but when we don't really realize think, what comes yeah, with it. When I really think about my capacity and what I really want, um, do I want to be super famous and, and a super bestseller? Not necessarily. 
Why though? Can you unpack yeah, why? Yeah, I think I would be satisfied. I think enough for me maybe looks a little different. Enough for me isn't um, lots of travel to go be on the TV oh, shows, right. for instance. Right, that um, would be your worst nightmare. Yeah, I don't love to travel and I like to be home taking care of my garden. So yeah, that would be an example where I'm a little, I'm not as hungry for the New York Times bestseller list as I was once hungry for children. And oh, I think that, interesting. that hunger in my life was was like a holy hunger. Yes. And I know what... What would oh, be an appropriate good. hunger for for my book that comes out in the spring? And I know right. it's not right. It's so it's interesting that Scripture actually uses you know the metaphor of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Oh I mean, yeah, the Scripture actually uses yeah. these words hunger and thirst, yeah. and actually you know Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life and as the living water. So hunger he, is good. He gets yeah. that we will yeah. hunger yeah. after things. Yeah. It's what we hunger after that mm. matters. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I'll be really honest. I have 100% hungered and thirsted after fame, mm. success, you know, million copies of the book sold. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've hungered and thirsted after those things so much that it can make you sick. Mm. Like it can actually make you soul sick. And I think that's why the podcast has been so refreshing for me because it was a hunger and a thirst. At first, I didn't even know I had. Hmm. And then once we had ventured into the space of trying it and I tasted it and it was so good and so delicious that I realized that the experience of recording these conversations was enough. And, it, you know, it made me think of, of course, I love this about you, that we can shorthand reference books. <laughs> There's always like a great book that illustrates what you're going to say. So C.S. Lewis, for those of you who aren't familiar, he's also written a lot of series for adults. And he has probably one of his most well-known adult series is called The Space Trilogy. It sounds really weird if you try and describe it, but a human travels to these other planets that God has created and interacts with these beings. And um, his second one, Voyage to Paralandra, I believe it's called, and really it's the new world, Venus. And he's on this new world and he's meeting the new Adam and the new Eve there. And he's describing what in essence would be Lewis's imagining of the Garden of Eden. Hmm. And he's describing the fruit that these trees bear, which are nothing like we have on earth. And there's, I mean, the way he describes it, your mouth is watering and he mm. describes eating this fruit and how amazing, how refreshing, how every nerve in his body was stimulated by the experience of eating this food. But how if you had ate it again, if you had more than one portion, you would have actually detracted from the experience. And it's this beautiful picture of enough, the satisfaction of it. And the creature that is dumped on this brand new planet who is sent there to try and tempt the new Eve, they actually show him as a creature that never has enough and gorges himself. His mouth is stained with all this fruit and you can tell he's overeaten it. It's a picture of really a spiritual gluttony in that yeah. sense, that you've taken too much, more than enough, and it's created a sickness in you that then longs for more than is good for you. And so when I think about God using this phrase to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and when I'm really honest about my darkest moments and how I've hungered and thirst after fame or recognition or platform— but has never felt fulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. You're always empty. You mm -hmm. always feel empty. There's always that itch for wanting something more. It's kind of like when you eat as much candy corn as I do in October and you just feel sick, but you don't feel satisfied. Yeah. But when you hunger and thirst after righteousness and right things and they're put in their right place, 
the satisfaction is so much more than you could have expected. And that is how this podcast has felt for me. Hmm. So you just shared a sort of highbrow literary moment. Can <laughs> I share a, a not so highbrow? Yes, let's, let's have the PhD literature professor <laughs> right? share the lowbrow moment. <laughs> I don't know if lowbrow is the right word, but it, it's but not quite to be. there it's with the your candy CSS. corn level. <laughs> well, a little bit. So I don't know if, well, you've, I'm sure you've read some Roald Dahl and oh Charlie the Chocolate Factor. Yes, I mean, love, love him. Again, I just don't call lowbrow. that lowbrow, but no. it's, you know, a children's book, let's love just him say. So, so much. in the book, Matilda, okay. um, it's a school school setting and there's this really the evil character is the print the head the headmistress the principal yes. the trunch bowl she's called and she devises these really terrible punishments for the children and so one day she's going to punish this boy a student in the class but she introduces the punishment and it doesn't sound like a punishment at all oh, interesting because she says right. i know you love chocolate cake in fact yeah. i think you have snuck in the kitchen and stolen my chocolate cake so she says today I am giving you chocolate cake. And she invites him up and he's thinking, what, what's the trick? Right. right. What's the catch? What's the catch? Well, the catch is she brings out a whole chocolate cake oh. and she wants him to eat the whole thing. Right. Right? right. And so quickly, what should be a, a treat and a joy, chocolate cake becomes a punishment. Oh, so because interesting. Because to eat a whole chocolate cake right. ruins chocolate right. cake. Right. Forever. I mean, that is no good. Yes. That's no good. So it's the same thing for us, isn't it? Yes. And we know that about food mm -hmm. and about maybe some other things in our life that portion matters. Right. And that limiting, putting limits on chocolate cake, for instance, mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. Right. It makes it better, it's, sweeter. Right. It's absolutely necessary. Yes. It's going to remain a good thing for us. And so why wouldn't the same be true when it comes to our professional lives or, you know, our accomplishments or how we fill our days or the things we put on our calendars right. or the goals we set, um, all of those things. Right. Why do we always have to be pushing beyond to the next level. Now, let me just say this. If you feel called to do that, if you're excited about this promotion or this new project, that's so great. Like, mm -hmm. go that, do that. Maybe that's a holy hunger. Yes. But I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who worked at uh, the South African embassy in DC. And he was telling me about his job there. And it, of course, we loved it because they would host often parties at their house and then all their friends from the embassy would come. And the best part is everybody brings food. Hmm. Everybody brings South African food. Uh. Okay. <laughs> homemade favorites. Oh, like what? What are some of the, what are oh the homemade foods? Milk tart. Um, which I've had because you've made it for me. I've it's really it. good. Yes. Um, babwiti, which is an, an, uh, a curry dish that's Ooh. so good. You know, South Africa is a melting pot of all these cultures. So you get like all these amazing foods. Mm. Just tons of different kinds of desserts. You wouldn't be familiar with them. Really good wines. Mm. I just, so good. Mm. It's a smorgasbord of deliciousness. Okay. <laughs> so we would always spend a lot of time talking to them. He talked about his work at the embassy. And I remember one day saying to him, he was describing his job and it wasn't like, it was just kind of a mid-level employee and he loved what he did. And I asked him, I think he mentioned some job higher up was opening up or something. And I was like, oh, are you going to apply? Just there's no part of me that doesn't imagine you will instinctively want to move up. Mm -hmm. I'm programmed to think that way. We right. all are. We are. And he looked at me and said, no way, no. And I was so shocked <laughs> that he would not apply for this promotion. I asked him, what? what? I mean, I really, I was stunned. And he was equally stunned that I would assume he would want to leave this position he loved. Hmm. He said to me, I know, I, know the, I know my job. I know the people I work with. I love what I do. I never want to do anything else. Hmm. And it was almost as if 
I was uh, slightly offended hmm. that he would be content to, what's the word we use? Like, he's just settling. He's settled. But, but settled is not necessarily a bad thing, right. right? To be settled in is to have a place, to have roots, to have a sense, this is my enough. And he knew that about himself. He loved what he did. It was enough for him. But I felt compelled to to tell Peter the whole way home, that's so weird. That's so weird. Why doesn't he want to go for this promotion? And maybe I'm finally growing up a little bit because here in my own life, I'm recognizing what my enoughs look like for me. And and recognizing that is so satisfying and has helped me exhale, has helped me set both boundaries as well as receive what I believe are good blessings God wants to give me that I kind of wish <laughs> I had like glued into it earlier when a couple of years back, I really was on the fringe of a, like a severe burnout that took me mm. a good six months to come out from and recover from. It was so dire and I had just developed a low grade painful dissatisfaction with everything in my life because I just wanted everything to leave me alone. Mm. And I think it's because I had never said this is enough. Mm. I had just tried to do everything because I assumed I'm supposed to. Mm. And this man, he had paid attention to who right. and what he loved. What he loved. You use that word love. Yeah. So is that the key then? Thinking about That's our an loves? interesting question. Maybe. I don't know. Love is always for me a difficult word because it can be applied to so many areas yeah. of our lives and it can be so dependent on our varying moods sometimes. Mm. But I do think maybe it's about paying attention to what we would do, whether we receive recognition for it or not. Mm. At least I know that was for me a difference. The podcast hasn't felt like something I do for recognition. I do it because I feel called to it. Mm. I feel a sense of, if I didn't do it, there's a sense of loss. Mm. But there isn't a sense of... Um, success or platform or goals checked off. Mm. There's much more sense of invitation, which I know we're going to tell stories about in a we coming are. episode, yeah. but a sense of stepping into a spacious invitation that God mm. has, has laid a table for me. It mm. does sort of feel that way. Like there's a feast that you get to sit down to and say, oh, I'm doing this. And so there would be a loss if I didn't do it. Mm. But I guess I wouldn't describe that anymore as drive or ambition, mm. but as invitation and satisfaction. So this is good food, and yeah. we're going to eat it yes. and enjoy it. It's so good. And it's but we're going to go so slow, good. and then we'll know when we've had enough. And <laughs> yeah, we'll sit with that. We'll sit with it. And I think what's been so satisfying to us, and I, I will honestly say surprising, now that the episodes are public, has been the reaction from from listeners, because... I think part of what we hadn't realized the podcast would do, but our hope had been that it would set, um, it would really set people free to be able to embrace and revel in their ordinary lives. What they already have. What they already have. Yeah. And that there is a sense of enough there. Yeah. Because there's so many voices yelling at us that we need to be bigger, better, yeah. go further, strive higher, do more, produce mm -hmm. more. Grow bigger. Yeah. That's a big one. That somehow we've lost, we've really lost the freedom to say, but what if where I am right now, mm -hmm. like my friend and his job is enough for me? What yeah. if I'm content? Yeah. What if I'm satisfied? Yeah. Or it gives women permission to find satisfaction in what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. 
And so please hear us say again, we're not saying we think there's something wrong with growing into new places mm-hmm. or following God into new lands. Mm-hmm. We sure feel like we've done that with the podcast, mm-hmm. but it's been mm-hmm. a different kind of experience to discover that simply the act, the obedience of it has been so filled with its own joy and delight in yeah. ways that we didn't expect. I agree. It's been so fun, hasn't it? It's, it's so fun. So that's what's been so fun to you because so I'm looking, um, we're so grateful for anybody who ever leaves a review of the podcast. That's been surprising to hear back in a new way yeah. from you know, what we are used to having as readers, but now have as listeners. And so we wanted to take a chance at the end of every episode to just highlight one or two of the reviews that we got, because it's our way of saying we read all of them. And mm-hmm. we're so grateful. And thank you for stepping into enough with us because it's meant so much to us. It's been such fun. And I actually love this one because we've talked about food so much. Uh-huh. And this is from our good friend, Chris Camille. So yes. Chris, thank you for listening. She says... This is one of my all-time favorite podcasts. Christy and Lisa Joe pull out a chair for listeners and offer up a generous, gracious feast of a conversation <laughs> that nourishes heart and soul. So, Chris, thank you so much for that. I love that so much. And then, actually, we thought we'd highlight the very first review we got on September 14th with our very first episode. This is from Simple Steph. And she says, I felt like I was sitting right there with them enjoying a cup of tea and sweet conversation. And Steph, I literally have a cup of tea in front of me (laughs) right now. So (laughs) we're so glad you felt that way when you were spending time with us. That's the best. Thank you. We're so grateful for everybody who spends time with us having these conversations and just feeling like they're part of what we are discussing and unpacking together. And it feels different this time around because this is now the first time that I feel we feel more aware of listeners out there before Mm -hmm. it was just Christy and I having these conversations. But gosh, we are so grateful to everybody who's listening. So if you go and leave a review, we'd love to try and highlight as many of you as possible here. So it feels like a shared conversation. But as usual, we like to have a show and tell portion at the end of the podcast. So if you have something that just feels like an enough right now, that's just been so satisfying. Won't you take a photo and share it on Instagram and tag it with out of the ordinary podcast? because I think as we grow this community it's so encouraging to be able to see what other people's enough looks like right now we love seeing that Mm -hmm. I feel like we have more to learn and hearing other people's stories it's still important for us Yeah. yeah it never gets old so show us your enough and we're so grateful to be sharing tea and conversation with you today thanks everyone 